Mm. Did that make anyone sleepy? Like in a good way? <laughs> that relaxed. That's, that's, that's a better word. I apologize. Was that so boring you fell asleep? No, relaxing. That's a great word. And I'm just about to talk about vocabulary in a second. So, There we go. That's a nice one, too. That's a nice one, too. Well, Lord, we thank you for today, and we thank you for who you are. And as always, we, we want to hear what you have to say. And we want to stay yoked to you. We want to walk with you. We want to go where you go. So, Lord, I ask in Jesus' name that you would remove any of the barriers right now that in our spirit that would keep us from receiving what you have for us. And, um, and anything that would keep us from being courageous in the midst of fear to stay with you in the unknown and in circumstances we don't have answers to that may cause fear. May we be courageous because of who you are. We stay yoked with you. Move in step with you, even through the not knowing. So we pray your blessing over this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. How is everyone's Thanksgiving? Good. Good. Okay, good. Thumbs up. Last minute thumbs up. Awesome. So I'm going to tell you a story that doesn't really have anything to do with anything. But I always thought it was funny and it was, you know, I like to laugh. You like to laugh? <laughs> so I went, <laughs> no, no. So I made the mistake of going to the store um, the day before Thanksgiving at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And um, I, uh, you know, when you have those, you have everything you need, but then you have those last minute hankerings, you know. And one of the things we were missing, and I feel like the world opinion is split on this, but one of the things we were missing was eggnog. And I'm like, yeah, see, and some of you are like, eh, any, any for the yay? Thank you. Gosh, can you be louder than the nays, please? Thank you. Good grief. Anyways, I took my son Emmett with me, whose vocabulary is growing by the second. And I'm not talking about the kind of vocabulary you overhear and you repeat. I'm talking about uh, vocabulary you don't know where he got it from, and then he, you don't know how he knows how to use it in conversation in the proper context. And you stand there befuddled. You have no idea how he did that. So we go get a small carton of, of eggnog, and my kids love it, so this is a treat. And he knows it's a treat. He's super excited. Then he sees me get a Gatorade or a Powerade or something. He goes, oh. He goes, Dad, can I have one of those? I said, mm. I said, I'll let you, let's do this, buddy. You can have the eggnog and share it with your sisters and be kind and let them you know, uh, get to partake in the goodness of eggnog, or you can have a Gatorade by yourself and not share it. And, you know, when you get down the middle aisle and it is crazy traffic, and if you stop, you're in trouble. You're going to get trampled. Okay, do you know what I'm talking about? You need to go with the flow of the river of people and until your exit comes, and then you turn down that aisle. Well, we're in the middle of the aisle, and he stops conveniently. And after I give him this scenario, and he grabs his chin, and he goes like this, like he has a beard. He goes, I go, what? What's wrong? We need to get moving. What's, we're going to die. What's, what's wrong? He said, Dad, you've just presented me with a challenging decision. <laughs> I said, what? He goes, you, you just presented me with a challenging decision. I don't know what to decide. Decide? Decision? 
I still use the word ain't. I don't, he's not getting this from me. So he went with the eggnog because he's a nice person and I made him. So <laughs> anyway, that was just one of those moments that you, you, you write down on your heart and you just enjoy. You have those? Keep those locked. Tight and key in your heart. And I, and I share these things because it's important because the things that we talk about here push and prod in the challenges and circumstances of our life. And we have to remember they are great moments and moments that we sometimes can dismiss. And so it's important to pay attention to those so that we can treasure them. And when things get tough, we can still have reason to smile in some of those moments of God's goodness and his faithfulness. So this morning, we are going to continue in our journey of John. And remember, we, we're going through John in a way to, to absorb what it says about relationship with Jesus. So often we can read scripture with what we want to know about him. But this is about knowing him, not just about him and what he has to say relationally to us. That, that is for us every day, not just back then. And last week, Sharon did a, a fabulous job starting us off in chapter three and, and talking about the, uh, and engaging the passage with Nicodemus, one of the teachers of Israel, who comes in the middle of the night to ask Jesus about who he is and, and recognizes that Jesus maybe could be the Messiah, you know, recognizing great things about Jesus. And he asks some questions, and, and Jesus famously says, unless you're born again of spirit, and, um, you, know, you won't inherit the kingdom. And so Nicodemus is, whoa, he asks this question. He wants to know. How many like to know stuff? Come on now. You want to know? Sometimes you don't know why you want to know. You just want to know stuff. I mean, we have people that, a lot of people in the world, and I've dabbled in it, who love to gossip. Why? You love to share what you know. I want to know something and then share what I know. No, 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 no. There's this thing about knowing, wanting to know stuff, and asking questions is a good thing. But when it starts becoming about asking questions to control your narrative and someone else's narrative because we are afraid and we need control, that's where it becomes really unhealthy. How many have done that? You want to know so you can help control your environment a little bit. I need to know what's going to happen because if, this does, if I don't know, then I'm not prepared. And if I'm not prepared, then anything can happen. How many have been there? Oh, so you tried to prepare, and then guess what happens? Something you didn't prepare for. And then you, you've, you've gone through all of this stress, anxiety, fear, and worry, and it's like... <sighs> and as Christians, we can do that. Now, next week, we're going to talk about... I know it sounds like I'm just skipping here. I'm not. The famous John 3.16. Do we know it? Most of us, right? And we're going to share a little bit about that today, but spend most of our time in it next week. Now I'm going to say verse 16 alone and I want you to I want you to allow that to imprint into your mind and your heart because we are going to go through the second part of this conversation with Nicodemus and understanding that John 3:16 is a part of this conversation is very important. Absolutely essential. So if you have your Bibles, please take them out. We're going to turn to John chapter 3. Most of us know this by heart. It's been on bumper stickers. It's, it's um, kind of a roadmap to salvation, and, and it's, but it's so much more. 
and it has so much depth. But here's what Jesus says, again, to Nicodemus, and we'll go to part two of this conversation in just a second. But he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not what? Perish, but have eternal life. Let me read that one more time. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now, lock that away. Now we're going to pick up at verse 9. Or, sorry, I'm going to say, I'm going to go through uh, verse 8 here. Jesus is saying this as far as about being born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is everyone born of the Spirit. And here's what Nicodemus says. This intelligent man, this teacher of Israel, he says, how can this be? Fair question. Is that a fair question? You're hearing this ridiculous thing about being born again. How can it be? He wants to what? No. And he's a teacher of the law, so he's probably thorough. You don't get to be a teacher of the law of Israel without having some brain power and being thorough and knowing every word in the law and being able to interpret that. This is not an unintelligent, lazy man. This is someone who's highly intelligent, motivated, and disciplined. Now, he's that kind of person is asking this question. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. And Jesus answers this. You are Israel's teacher. And do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you on earthly th- about er- of earthly things and you do not believe. How then? How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Why is this important? Nicodemus is asking a question. Jesus answers that question with another question. (laughs) You are a leader of Israel. You know stuff. It's basically what, what Jesus is saying to him. You know these things. You know stuff. You've seen us and us being disciples of Jesus, uh, early uh, converts, people that were following Jesus. He says, you, you've heard our witness. You've, you've, you've seen stuff, but still you don't believe. So if you can't believe the things that are happening in front of you on earth, how are you going to understand the heavenly things, the deeper things, the things that give all of that earthly stuff meaning and substance. How are you, this intelligent person? He's not saying it to be shaming. He's not saying it to make fun of him. He's bringing awareness. Even with all you know, 
you still don't know. Even with everything you know, you still don't believe. So how am I going to be able to tell you about the deeper things if you don't even believe in what you're seeing and you're hearing now? And then he gives him the clearest answer in John's 3.16 and following. But here's the deal. Nicodemus came in the middle of the night because of what, he was afraid of what it might look like. That was risky for him. He asked the question because in his line of work, you need to know the answer. Education is essential. Have the right answer. Now, I believe he was a man after God's heart. I'm not saying he wasn't, but he, it was highly valued to have the right answer. He wanted the information. Why? We always seek more information because more times than not, we want to control the narrative. In John 3, 16, you will not perish. We all have our own version of that in our life, and we are afraid to perish. So the more I know, the more I can control, and the more I can control, I avoid perishing. Or at least that's what we tell ourselves. And I'm not saying there aren't good questions and there's not right information to have. There is. But when we start using it to control our environment, because we're afraid, because we don't know what's going to happen, that's where it becomes dangerous. And Jesus is saying there is certain stuff you're just not going to know. So you have to trust. All of this is based off who we know, not how much we know. So that when the unknown happens, we trust and rely on who we know. Faith is having assurance in what you don't see and can't predict. When you look at our culture around us, and I've, I've dealt with this. I know many, this is not a shaming thing. This is just the reality. How anxiety and worried has captured our culture. How afraid we are sometimes to get out of bed, sometimes to face ourselves. Whatever the reason, fear is all over the place and we make decisions to control that fear, to shape it, to, to find a way that I don't have to face that and perish because I don't like the feeling that I'm feeling right now or what I could feel. I heard this song. Uh, I don't even know what it's called. But I was helping the kids clean their room and they had their music on. And this, I heard this line, and it stopped me. You know, you're doing something, you don't even know what you're doing, but you hear, you hear a song in the background, and sometimes you're not even listening to music, but a line can pop up and grab your attention. This is one of those moments. And I heard, and I've heard the song before, but for, ever, for whatever reason, I'm listening to it the first time, and it said, fear, it is a liar, or whatever. I'm like, fear is a liar. And I, I just kept thinking about that. And normally, you know, if you just asked me real quick, I would say, yeah. And then I sat and I prayed and I, I realized what we were going to be talking about a little bit today and, and how we seek to know stuff because oftentimes we're afraid of what we can't see, anticipate, or control. So if I can create an atmosphere of control in my own little world, I don't have to feel that fear or I can avoid that fear. 
I don't think fear is a liar. I think it's an indicator of where faith begins. I think fear by itself without human involvement is benign. There's good fear. I want my kids to be aware of, day of strangers. I want them to have a healthy sense of fear of don't go with that person if you don't know them. There's a fear in scripture that we are told, we are told to have an awe and fear of God. So to say fear is a liar, Satan is a liar, the enemy is a liar, and how we interpret fear and what we do with fear is what makes it this thing that becomes so devastating. And God isn't asking you to not feel the presence of fear. We know that because in Joshua, he tells Joshua over and over, he says, do not be afraid, be strong and courageous. Now you could go, well, he's telling him not to be afraid. Don't feel fear. No, he's not. Because if he's saying, don't feel fear, then he cannot say, be strong and courageous. Because courageous, the meaning of courageous is to do what's right and hard even in the midst of fear. So fear needs to be present so that you can see the strength and courage of God's spirit within you. So he's not, it's not a sin to feel the presence of fear, but don't let it dictate your narrative. Jesus does that. And he says, he says in John, 6, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he's sending me to you. That's the answer to your question. It's none of this stuff. And it's hard. I was very resentful of God this morning because I had something different to say. And he wanted to talk about this. I don't want to talk about fear, and I'm going to tell you why. Because most of my life, I haven't dealt with a kind of fear, especially when it's connected to provision or what's going to happen next. I usually love the unknown. Don't tell me the ending to a movie. Don't tell me what's going to happen next. Some people would say, I would love to know how I'm going to die, or I'm going to love to know what my future is. No, I don't want to know. It's part of the ride. I love it. But I have found myself in the last several months dealing with depths of fear and finding myself on, on unbalanced, shaky ground and doing unhealthy things with that fear, from what the financial situation is to here, to things in my family, to things in friendships. It doesn't matter. The fact of it is fear is now having an unhealthy say. And then my pride goes, I don't want to talk about that because I don't usually deal with that. You ever have those moments where your strengths are one thing and then life reveals you're not as strong as you thought in that area and you don't want to admit it because you're used to being good at it. That has been my whole challenge the last several months. I don't want to admit I'm afraid. There's nothing wrong with admitting I'm afraid. But letting it tell me what's going to happen before it's going to happen or what could happen is now creating all these unhealthy hypotheticals that are only going to lead me away from God's presence, not into it. So it's an indicator that I need to trust, not run, not create. There's nothing I can do to fix the things around me when it comes to the unknown. I have to trust the one that I know, not just know about if I don't, I'm sunk. And fear is going to have an unhealthy say in my life. And I hate it. Don't you? Is this not a word for today? Where we are? 
Here this man who knows all these things comes to Jesus not knowing something that probably took great courage in the midst of fear of not having an answer. And he asks a question. And God, and this is what Sharon did last week so beautifully, was shown that we get an infinite amount of do-overs. Jesus showed this man in this moment that you get a do-over. Man, do I need one? But not only do we have an infinite amount of do-overs, but there is an infinite amount of God's provision in the unknown. Because my mind, this is where my mind will go. Well, guess what? He got us last year. He, man, he broke through. We need him to break through, but is he gonna do it this year? I don't, I don't know, because did we use that get it out of jail free card that he gave us? And now you're doing what? The what if drowning cycle. It doesn't produce life. And in my mind, I know a healthy picture of God, but when I feel fear, I go back and I reach back to unhealthy things. And one of them for me is now doing that what if thing and saying, okay, but maybe he, you know, he said, I did help you guys last year. I did help you in this, in this relationship last year. I'm not going to help you today. That's not him. I know that, but I don't see how he's going to do it, and I want to know. Because if I know, then what? I don't have to be afraid. Wait a minute. He already assured me in John 3, 16, if I yoke myself to him, I will not perish. Therefore, fear does not have to be my travel guide any longer. The reason why we preach Jesus every moment of every Sunday, over and over, intimacy with Jesus, intimacy with Jesus. Some have said to me, when are we going to move on to something else? There isn't, because I'll tell you why. If we don't yoke ourselves to Jesus, we're sunk. We can't go anywhere. Have you seen a three-legged race? Have you seen that? When you're wrapped around, and if you don't start at the same time, and you don't know where the other is or what the other's going to do, and you are not with them, what happens? You fall out of the gate. You don't even get three steps. How do we think we are going to make it to the finish line if we are not tethered to Jesus in a way that we are with him and only moving when he tells us to move? Fear makes you move out of kingdom positioning, and we always fall. Always. And this is not a message of shame, but awareness. I struggle with this. As much as I used to think, oh, I don't struggle with this, I struggle with it. And circumstances can get hard and make you feel like you don't know where you're standing to operate like you normally would with Jesus. And that's why we need each other. That's why we need, I used to think, what's the purpose of coming up every week and talking and this and that? Because if it hits one reminder that gets us in the right posture with Jesus, myself included, that's a victory. It's an absolute victory. Because when you leave this place, fear will start talking. If it's not already talking, what does this mean? What do I need to do? And then it might take go a shame route, a different kind of fear. Well, stop in Jesus' name. He's with us. I don't know what's going to happen in the areas of my life, I'm afraid. I don't know. But I know him, and that's enough. 
and he's presenting himself to Nicodemus and he says, you don't know all this stuff, but I'm right in front of you. And let me tell you who I am and who my father is and what you're invited into. So the unknown doesn't have to control your destiny anymore because you're yoked now to the one who knows. And that gives me comfort. That gives me peace. And I need to be reminded of that by the people around me sometimes. Because though I'm the one with the microphone, I'm in just as much in need of transformation as anyone else in this room. And we have to do that together. But it's hard. It's hard. It'd be easier to just talk about what's happening in the culture and hear some life lessons that can maybe help you. <laughs> it's not enough if we don't know him and we can't trust him. So as we close this morning, whatever posture you need to get into, and even if it's not in this moment, but even if you get in your car or, or you're processing and it's two days from now, get into a place where you're face to face with this stuff that's talking to you. Pause, breathe, and watch yourself say, Jesus, I trust you. Try it. It's a daily practice, a moment by moment, every minute practice. It's not that, oh, I, I did it this once and now I'm set for life. No, it's a moment by moment thing. Too often, too often, we as a church have used some of the greatest truthful things of Scripture, slapped it on the back of our car, myself included, <laughs> because it's a truthful saying. And then when someone shares it with us as an answer to something, we go, eh, we can dismiss it. Here's one. Take it one day at a time. I know. Well, did you know that that statement by Jesus is in a response to our condition to give in to fear? When he says that in scripture and in the gospels, he's referring to when he says the robins of the air and the, you know, the, all, the, all the, the flowers in the field, I provide for them, I'm gonna what? Provide for you. Stick with the day you're in and it has enough stuff. So what he's saying is go one day at a time and trust me. Well, I need to prepare. I'm not saying preparation is bad. I'm talking about in the context of I'm going to freak out if I don't control the situation. All our plans are on the altar. But when we start saying, I'm going to control the narrative because I'm afraid of what could happen, now we're beginning to step out of that yoke. And we're going to trip up right out the gate. That's a reality. That's a fact. That's not anything to be shameful about. Let's just say, this is what happens. And I do it all the time. But this is the beauty, beauty of the, of especially chapter 3 in John, is that we see that in him and in his grace is infinite amount of opportunity to step in and fail and step in again. And I'm not talking about taking that for granted and sinning because, oh, God's grace is there, I can sin. No, I'm not talking about that. When we are seeking him, sometimes we don't get it right. Sometimes we have a bad moment. And it's not like the law where it's like, well, now you gotta do this and A, B, C, and D to get in the right 
get in right relationship with God. No, he says, my grace affords you the space to be transformed with ever-increasing glory, which means you will fail, but I am here to teach you in the midst of failing so that you can trust me. There it is. And I'll close with this. An article came out that said that Christianity is the most persecuted faith in the world today. Persecution is here. It looks different in our culture, but it's here. The world needs to see a church that trusts in Jesus, even when they don't know the conclusion of their circumstances. Even when it's unknown and it's frightening, we must continue to trust that is the answer. So, Lord, we thank you that we can trust you. And I, I ask in Jesus' name that we would allow your grace to wash over us. That we would not respond to any of the, well, I should have done this and I didn't do that and go down a, a shame route. And we pray against that in Jesus' name. If there's anything I said that's not of you, that is not meant for us to hang on to, we ask in your name that you would remove those things. In Jesus' name. And that we would only receive and hear that which you want us to receive and hear. I thank you that your conversation with Nicodemus reminds us of who you are. It reminds us that we're not gonna have all the answers to every question. but we have you. What else are we looking for? I pray that we would walk in your grace to continue to walk with each other in moments of fear to stand with one another and remind one another, not flippantly, not sarcastically, not condescendingly, but genuinely as if we're, if we're, in, it, as if we're in it together to trust you. Would you continue to bless this church family in a way that we would continue to trust you, walk with one another in ways we haven't before, to trust even when circumstances say, oh, you don't have enough. Yes, we do. So I pray your blessing of your presence, of intimacy with you on this family and that you would protect us as we leave this place. You protect our hearts. You protect our minds from going down roads they shouldn't go. That we would get to that place and say, I trust you. Whew, I trust you. Even when I don't know, I'm going to trust you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that we would not perish but have everlasting life with him. In Jesus' name, amen. You give light, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore. Every heart that
So we pour out our praise, pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise, we pour out our praise. It's your breath. In our lungs, so we pour out our praise to you only. It's great, are you, Lord? Declare that this morning. Yes, great. One more time, yes, you are great. Great are you, Lord. We lift your praises up this morning. It's great. 